Welcome to Thrones and Scones. It's your weekday morning podcast where we talk about Game of Thrones over breakfast. It's Tony Hans and Jeremy in with you on a very epic intro day for a very epic episode. Season four, episode eight, The Mountain and the Viper and Tomato Italian Herb. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Never before has... Uh, as that sounded maybe so anticlimactic. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Oh, we're here on a Wednesday. Continuing on with uh, with our season four here thing. As you can tell, I'm stalling painfully for time as I pull up the wiki. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which would All be right. atypical. What is this? Ep- like, Yeah. That's what you expect. Yeah. Don't, yeah, careful where you throw your shots, Mr. Wrong Scone, every other day. Every other day. Uh-huh, it's kind of uh-huh. my thing well, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, but here's the problem. But you're only the scone every third day, so. <laughs> so we're talking like I'm batting zero right now lately. You're negative percentile, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, all right, I've got the wiki pulled up. It's another very short one. I think that these must be people who, just like us, are binging the show. And at this point, they're like, eh, you know what? I can't be bothered. Here's two sentences that just are painfully brief, but uh, I do have it here to remind ourselves. Are, do we have any requests? Oh, I haven't even been think. I haven't even been prepared for this. The answer is certainly allowed to be no. <laughs> I feel like Darth no. Vader is a good one. Darth Vader. Uh, I didn't bring here. Do I have anything that can? <laughs> Oh, but I <laughs> I tried to talk into my mug. I, I put my phone down. I guess I need the wiki up. Okay. Molestown receives some unexpected... Why is Darth Vader Morgan Freeman? Do we know? We don't know. What does Darth Vader say? No! <laughs> Mo- Molestown received. I can't do it. Molestown received some unexpected visitors. Littlefinger's motives are questioned. I'd never liked sand. <laughs> Ramsay attempts to prove himself to his father, and Tyrion's fate is decided. I've always loved you. Your hair and your breasts and your the way you eat this pear when I feed it to you in force. <laughs> I love you so much. I would choke you. <laughs> Was that good? Did you like it? I think you nailed it. Pretty, pretty, Thanks, pretty accurate. My, my personal favorite Vader, uh, episode two Vader. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's the best, man. Oh, this is a this is a big episode. I want to get right into it here. Um, first, I, I want to check in with Hans. You're usually the one to, to poo poo things a little bit more than others. I think that this takes a very nice turn into an awesome sort of setup what what do you think are you happy with this episode yeah i'm happy with it all right i gotta tread carefully around you i never know yeah it was good then let's start at the very bottom of the heap jeremy what's your least favorite part about season four episode eight um so probably for me would be just the random Arya and, ha- and the Hound at that point where they arrive at the Vale. I mean, it's more for comedy relief at this point because this episode gives you a lot. But yeah. I really felt it was unnecessary. 
it's like that. I don't. I don't think it added anything to the to this episode. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I love them together. But I read on this. I was like, it's just what was it like two minutes, if that? And she like laughs, and it's over. And you're like, uh, okay, <laughs> Re- really? I, like we needed that? Like I I don't think we need it. That's all. I really liked the weird, desperate laugh, uh, actually, and I remember not enjoying it. So I don't know if it's just a, a reviewing thing, me accepting it or being more you know, realizing the, the the kind of spot that she's in where it's like, yeah, what the hell else could she do at this point uh, besides laugh? The real question I have about the moment is, do you think that none of the guards would really tell anybody that Arya Stark showed up? Like, Yeah. It's, I mean, I understand they're in the veil. They've kind of held themselves off, but certainly they know who Arya Stark is. And even if they don't know that She's being looked for by multiple parties. They know that her dad's dead and her mom's dead. And, oh, yeah, she's also with the hounds. Right. <laughs> like, and, something's going on there. And Sansa's there. Like, why yeah, wouldn't... Well, but, but, but nobody knows that Sansa's Really? Because I, like, I, I feel like that would be something that, you know, people talk. I mean, I guess, yeah, that she is... In this episode, it's... Or, yeah, I think it's this episode, maybe next episode, where... Peter is going through the whole kind of tribune um, that that yeah, comes out. Okay. Well, I was saying, so I feel like that's kind of one of those things that someone would have said something pretty quickly. And if you're them, you've been traveling all this time. You need housing. You're just going to just turn around. You're not going to be like, well, this is Aria. We need to refresh the horses, get some food. Well, I assume that, I mean, it's, you know, it's her aunt. This- this big gate for a reason. I assume that people aren't just allowed into the eerie and that if they all of a sudden don't have business there, they mm. wouldn't necessarily be welcomed. Yeah. But I just thought it was a very odd part of the show. After everything yeah. was done really, really well, this, and I put down comedic relief and then, yeah, that was pretty much it. I don't like the veil in this sense. I mean, I think the veil is a really cool setting, but I don't, I haven't really enjoyed the story at the Vale as much. I, I found like yeah. this part, Baelish and the Tribune, all were kind of boring for me in, in that thing. So out of the entire episode, this this setting wasn't enjoyable. And I think fair. I think the other thing just to add on all that is because uh, to me, uh, Peter Baelish is kind of prides himself on you know knowing all this stuff and being very well informed and you're telling me this dude never knows that Arya Stark like one of the main people he's looking for is at his gate <laughs> i don't yeah. know it's kind of ridiculous it is a it is a little odd and he's still trying to get in Sansa's good graces and by good graces i mean panties her panties <laughs> <laughs> and, and i think finding her sister would go a long way to doing that i mean haven't you ever been like you know in you know you, you're taking your younger sibling out your mom told you to, and you're going out, and you're at the mall, and then you lose them, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be grounded forever." And someone, some you know, old man <laughs> who was in love with your mom comes up, and it's like, "Hey, I found your brother," and you're like, "Whew! Thank Ooh, God for that." Any dropper? Uh, is, is there anything I can do for you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've all been there. Is all I'm saying. Hot. I got hot and bothered thinking about that. <laughs> You know, the other thing about Baelish um, that the show, I think, has set up is, uh, you know, Varys, or Varys and Baelish, they always are interconnected so much, right? Yeah. But then you don't see that for Littlefinger anymore, right? Like, Well, you- I, yeah, they're, they're very much, Littlefinger has moved on 
from uh, from from playing the Capitol at this point. You know, he's yeah. They don't have interaction. How are they going to be involved? I know, but I felt like uh, when Lord Varys is out and gone, that he still has very much like his the children responding to him, getting him information. He always still seems informed to me compared to Peter. Um, and I thought, yeah. it, I thought the show kind of was playing that balance of you have two kind of like information whores that that's how, that's how they win things. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, be- one is an information whore and one uses whores for information. <laughs> get it, get it straight. You like my little four, <laughs> my little foreplay there. It was good. Varys and Varys and, uh, Lord Baelish just texting each other back and forth. <laughs> hey, what's up? No, they you use emojis. Me? That's all they do. Straight up emojis. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be cryptic. It's got to be cryptic, of course. Uh, so, hmm, let's see. What do I want to hit on? I, I will hit my least favorite part yeah, just because I know uh, I know somebody will probably have something to say about it. Uh, out in Essos, in Marine. Mm-hmm. Jor Mormont is finally ratted out from uh, from everything that he did against Danny, and I'm gonna go ahead and for once come to Jorah's side and say that Danny was acting a little unfair. <laughs> She's a straight yeah, up cunt. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I understand her feelings of betrayal, but like he spied on you for hmm, maybe six months. Yeah, and he's been with you for. Five years since, like Save, I understand, saves you, saves you yeah. from being stat or well, the wine thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, you can only you can't you can't really say like I saved you from getting punched in the face yesterday. Yeah, but it was you who almost punched me in the face. Well, still, like <laughs> you're welcome. You, know, you can only hold that over somebody for so long, but uh, it does just seem a little uncharacteristically harsh. Like you know, it's an emotional decision, and we see way, way down the the line that, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily as easy for her to make that decision as maybe it appeared, but it seemed just real black and white, real fast. Oh, you got to go now. Yeah, that was my least favorite part, too. Uh, I'm a little surprised to hear that that was your least favorite part, Tony, given mm. your uh, your lack of Jorah fanness, fandom. Well, see, here's the thing. It plays into another least favorite element is it kind of seems like, oh, yeah, Jorah probably gonna end up in a ditch but he doesn't and they try to make him a cool main character and he's not <laughs> so uh yeah I, I i don't i dislike it for that reason as well yes i did i actually liked it because i think it gets it really works for danny in the future when she's having more of these interactions where she's having to decide what kind of of queen and ruler she's going to be she's going to learn the game a little better of like uh, letting things go of realizing that past mistakes can, you have to move past those things. And we see that later where here is like that first time where she makes that rash decision and she watches it kind of like, Oh wait, this person really was loyal to me. And maybe if I would have sat there and thought things through, I would have been a better, you know, better queen. And I think that plays out for her. I feel like she has made just, I don't know. I think that's just kind of her, in general, the entire time is her making rash decisions. So. Her Sansa. Wouldn't I feel like we're talking about wouldn't... Sansa this entire time. Yeah. No. What? Well, Sansa. Sansa took a turn in this episode. You know, she stopped sucking at lying. She yeah. got pretty dang good at it really fast, and then she went. Uh, she went all maleficent with her dress, and uh, I'm sure things are looking up for her. She must be headed for something good. Who's to say? Yeah. 
Um, we don't want to be while, spoilery. Yeah, yeah, we don't know. While we're in Essos real quick, um, have you guys ever seen a hippopotamus? Have we ever yes. seen a hippopotamus in person? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Or Maybe, on the like television, the I guess. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Sure. All right, cool. <laughs> Hippopotami or hippopotamuses. Uh, they they spend so much of their day in water. They're actually Africa's deadliest animal. Fun fact: they could crush you without a second thought. But most of the time, they just want to chill in water because it gets hot in Africa. And sometimes they have to come up for air. So they'll they'll emerge from the water in this really creepy way, where their eyes just kind of come out. They're like, mm-hmm. anyway. Grey Worm does a hippopotamus uh, <laughs> so, so that he can get them googly eyes on, uh, on the Sunday, uh, who, is, who is bathing, who then does the very odd thing of noticing, standing up to fully reveal every bit, and then covering up, which she kind of already was if she had just not stood up. Uh, and then she's like, well, and then Grey Worm, instead of like, turning around like he does look awkward for a second and then he decides the best course of action would just be to stealthily hippopotamus back under the water (laughs) okay i'll just tell you right now that would be the favorite of my episode i wrote in my notes gray worm straight up floating perv and then masand is exhibitionist it's very close to what i wrote actually Uh, grave great gray worm pervs plus apologizes uh and then they they have a little discussion about it afterwards. Grey Worm, a very glass half full type of individual. Uh, I mean, when you don't have your balls, you got to have something. And he has optimism. Uh, and so, you know, they have a nice little conversation about it. He apologizes. They get on good terms. And then he kind of doubles down on the crib where she's like, I'm glad that you saw me. And he went, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, this, is, this is good, right? It was, uh, it was good. It was good for me. It was very good for me. And then Danny asked the question we've all been wondering, do, do they just have balls or do they not yeah. just have, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The pillar and the stone? Yeah. Question mark? Question mark. A recurring uh, theme on this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Well, when we get an official answer, maybe I'll be satisfied. But What do you think yes. of, uh, of Reek, uh, mm. you know, Theon going out to, I can't, what, what, Moat Kaelin? Mo yeah. yeah. And that whole scene, that whole... Uh, I... I don't know. I don't... I watched the scene, and I'm like, okay, well, I don't really think that he would be able to act this confident. Like, well, so that's exactly what so I'm so broken. Yeah. But then he starts failing, and he starts falling apart, and I'm like, oh, I get it. And then, like, this ex machina dude comes from behind to just, like, pretend like he w- didn't notice... Theon freaking out and he's like we we can we can we can go home and then Theon is able to compose himself enough to say yeah exactly totally um so I I just didn't care for it uh it is the first time we get to see a flayed body yeah um I'm not necessarily feeling that thrilled with that uh I I have added it to my list of things to avoid uh and that list now reads avocados and flayed bodies Solid so, list. Solid. So, yeah. It's uh it's not a very long list, but it's killer, ever growing. Killer Tony, bees are up there for me Tony, as well. Tony, Tony's list of things to avoid. Uh, apparently avocados, 
flayed bodies and not not going to prison for a crime you didn't commit. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> oh, being wrongfully convicted of a crime. Yes. I had that thought today and got like heart palpitations from it. For those of you who don't know, this is Tony's biggest fear. So, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I was walking, I, I went to go pick up food and it was just like it's less than a five minute walk from my apartment and there was just this guy and we passed each other and he said something to me people in this town don't talk to you when you're walking i would know i walk a lot so it threw me and i said oh hi Emma, what's how you doing and he, he responded in kind and then i stealthily muted my earbuds that were in and uh, as i'm walking past i heard footsteps change and i was like Oh, this dude is coming for me. So in oh, my head, shit. I prepared a full battle strategy <laughs> of how to kill this man when he came for me. <laughs> not just <laughs> yeah, not just incapacitate, kill. Kill, yeah, yeah, kill. Because he was going to come at me with a knife, and I needed to turn that knife around so that he wasn't a danger to me or others or himself. Uh, or the best way to not be a danger to yourself him? is yeah. to be murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but we're very close to a police station, and I had this like thought of like, what if he comes at me with a knife, and then I turn around, I defend myself, but these cops rush out, and that dude was an <laughs> off-duty cop, so they cover it up. And then I go to prison, and uh, my life is over, you know? Yeah. We've all been there. We've all, all been, been there. there. That's so weird. That happened uh, today, and I just had to go inside and eat my chicken sandwich and pretend like that didn't happen. So I take it but... you did or you didn't murder this guy? <laughs> <laughs> or should we just I, cut, the, should we cut the episode quick so you can tell uh, us? Or? Yeah, no, I did not murder this guy. Okay. Stabbed him in both kidneys and ran away. Don't know what happened. <laughs> he was alive when I left. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I plead the fifth. <laughs> and sixth and seventh times that I stabbed him. Uh, <clears throat> so that change in like walking yeah. was probably him like crossing the street. Yeah. Pro- yeah, probably. But in <laughs> that, my head. <laughs> that change in walking was him like... Say, thinking to himself, oh, dude, this this creepy dude in front of me keeps looking back. I'm almost positive he's going to stab me or something. So he, like, started slowing down. <laughs> probably. We probably had the same mental uh, conversations with ourselves. And I bet it would have been a good fight. <laughs> we were both so prepared. Oh. So, yeah, I'll try to avoid that along with flayed bodies. But... Ramsey flays a couple bodies and then gets the ultimate promotion from bastard to not such a bastard, even though he's absolutely like a bastard. the non-biological bastard, like, you yeah, know? for sure. Uh, so yeah, Ramsey, Ramsey gets legitimized. And then anything else that you want to touch on before we move to King's Landing? I don't think so. No, I think everything, yeah, the King's Landing stuff is the best. Yeah, anyway, so. I've, been, I've been holding out. So we start with... Uh, another awesome Tyrion and Jamie scene. Love yeah, they've it. all been great. They've all been awesome. This one I do, do... Are they trying to say that Tyrion killed their weird cousin? They st- He tells this whole story of Orson killing these beetles, and he, he goes on and he goes on, and, he gets, and he's talking about how he get, got obsessed with it and obsessed with it, and he, he was getting enraged by it, and then it ends very abruptly of until that day when... Uh, he died in a, when a mule kicked him in the chest and he just got quiet and Jamie like like just you know processed it like he knew the story and then paused and looked up and I was like are they I've never noticed it before but it kind of seemed to imply that like 
maybe Tyrion had something to do with that. I didn't even notice that, to be honest. Because I, I thought that whole Beetle story was really fucked up and really boring. So maybe it's a little darker. Uh, yeah, but that would make say. him a, a psycho, which would be awesome. Would, yeah. Either way, I, I I did think that it was a was a cool moment. And again, just just great honesty from them, um, developing their relationships, which we haven't gotten to see too much prior to this season. And then one of my I haven't gone through and created a list. I'm sure we'll do that at the end of everything, but I am. 100% confident in saying that this is in my top five scenes of this show. The mountain and the viper. Head to head, spear to sword, martel to Clegane, <laughs> and whatever else you want to pit up against each other. Perhaps the most badass fight we've seen yet. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's great. Did you guys think, first time watching it, that it was going to end how it did? Um, because I had read it, um, but I will answer as far as, as I read it, because this is one of those scenes that I read and was like, it's going to be different in the show. Cause they're not going to be able to do it like that graphic and that crazy. And then they did it's, this is almost word for word, this scene in the book and in the show, it's done very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was absolutely floored when I read it, like it, it gives you jitters as well. I mean, there's nothing quite like seeing and hearing a man's skull pop, but, uh, you know, the, the imagery was there, and I, I absolutely did not expect and it I to think go down like Oberyn this. And I think is a much more likable character in the show compared to the book. I don't remember liking him as much in the book as I did. I mean, I agree with that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel... I felt like his character is cool. You like you're rooting for him. You be- all these things like the actor that portrays him does such a good job of making you feel all of his pain. So when you get to this, it sucked knowing the end of this because God, you wanted him to win. Like I just <clears throat> wanted that so badly. Um, yeah. But it was a cool. It was a cool fight scene. It was yeah. I I don't. I definitely say it's in the top five. I mean that's yeah. It's a good point. It's it's I think the scene that I've like shown the most people. Like people who are never gonna watch Game of Thrones, I show them this scene just to be like, this is like how cool this show can get. Yeah, and I'm show. just oh, it's it sends chills down my spine every time. And it's so much I mean, Tyrion's reactions are great. Ilaria's crazy scream is bananas, the mountain and uh I'm, you know, very long <laughs> Swedish man. I don't know the mountains actor's name, uh, and Pedro Pascal do great. But then seeing everybody, seeing Tywin and Cersei's reaction, seeing Jamie basically like getting giddy at one point with the fact that he thinks that you know Tyrion might survive this whole ordeal. Uh, the whole thing is is really well done. Yeah, it's it's so it's just so good. It's it's even hard to put in like it's hard to talk about this scene because. Like it's hard to explain, right? How cool it is because you just have to watch it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's an experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the only the only cringe I have in this scene is the cringe that they wanted to put into us, where it's like, all right, can you just do your weird, frantic pacing like three steps farther away from his not quite yet dead body, please? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or just leave your spear in for a little bit yeah. longer, which will yeah. pretty much prevent him from being able to mount you and explode your head <laughs> <laughs> but oh, oh. It's, do, uh, do you think it's like crazy. first 
do you think like first episode of Disney's The Mandalor- Mandalorian Mandalorian or whatever will be him like gaining revenge on somebody and just screaming, "You raped her! You killed, you killed her! Or you murdered her! You ra- or uh, how's it go? You raped her! You murdered her! You killed her children!" Yeah, over and over and over again. Your Oprah impression is very good as well. Uh, that was spot on. Is is Pedro Pascal who they cast for that? Yeah, he's the Mandalorian. I didn't even notice that. Uh, I, I no, I don't. I don't think he'll bring it up at all because actually, I've I've seen him since, and he seems to have lost all interest in it in order to pursue uh, Pablo Escobar. <laughs> so uh, now that that's taken care of, I don't know. Maybe he's uh, maybe he's back on it. But yeah, it's crazy. Some uh, some very cool stuff in this episode. One of the best thus far. Uh, yeah. I think the high point from the season. I think so. Yep. I think this was, as far as episodes so far, I remember the first time I saw this scene specifically, even more so than the Red Wedding, just because I think like going into the Red Wedding, I had heard things and I kind of knew that something mm. was going to happen. So I didn't I didn't know what, but I knew I kind of was prepared. When I first watched this scene, I absolutely thought Oberon was going to win. I had no idea that any of this happened. Yeah. And it it just blew my mind or i Shook smashed my core. skull i guess <laughs> <laughs> skull against the ground oh maybe the worst part of the whole thing is when he gets like he gets tripped or whatever and then picked up and he's like hey what's happening and then like half of his teeth just go spilling across oh, the ground yeah like, the one oh. punch <laughs> we get a we get a lot of face hurt i actually have a moment from next episode as well that i want to wait to talk about until then but uh some, some great action here at the tail end of, of season four. And a little juggly as well. We already talked about Masande. Early on in the episode, we also get to see um, the ladies up in Molestown flashing their bits around and complaining about the tiny, tiny cocks of the Night's Watchmen that they're forced to deal with. Um, but seeming, seemingly having a good time, that is until uh, Egret in full-on heartbreak rage comes in and just... just decimates everyone Um, i totally forgot about that part of this the scene yeah i think the i don't even think i wrote that down i was still in i I was still in shock and awe at the oberon scene Uh, was that the beginning or was that the end i can't remember yeah it was right at the beginning i think it's the like the the second thing that we saw oh actually it was the first thing that we saw i wrote intro mo kalen first but that's just because it was in the uh oh this intro the mall's town was right in the beginning yeah. Oh, see, maybe mm-hmm. I, 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 mm-hmm. I didn't even write that down. I must not have been. Must not yeah, because the engaged the, the whore that's making <laughs> fun of her or whatever doesn't she get like a spear or an arrow through her chest? Yeah, she she dies, and then Egret spares Gilly. Yeah, yeah, and, the and baby. who knows if she'll make it to the wall? I guess we'll find out soon. But even sooner than that, I would like to find out if this tomato Italian herb scone lives up to its hype. Jeremy, what are your what are your thoughts? Let me tell you, I know you're gonna interrupt me because you guys are cocks, but let me just tell you something really quickly. I don't know what you're talking so about. So we, we're in Cleveland. It's, it's the Phoenix Cafe, and it opens at seven. And so sure. my wife and I were there. We're like, oh, let's get you know some coffee and scones. This has like nothing in the case except for like a few scones and like a few cookies and, and like, a weird sign that just seems to say. You can find more about our podcast at thronesandscones.com and you can find cock. more from us. And then it, it had was a drop-down menu with it some prices listed. The worst scone I've ever had. And below all of it, it said, ever. you're down with G-O-T. Yeah, I fucking yeah, hate you. Yeah, you know me. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hear the backstory, but is the scone good? <laughs> 
Scone, scone was horrible. Scone was horrible. It was not good? No. Did you just go in raw dog? Yeah. I feel like these savory ones, you almost need a little sum-sum. Well, I mean, that's the thing, is we were there, and, like, there was, like, nothing out to eat with it. Just, like, they literally took it out. It was, like, like a rock hitting a plate. It was, like, Luke Cold, you know? Oh, it was disgusting. Luke Cold. <laughs> Luke Cold. <laughs> Yeah. He's here for justice, and he won't wear a hat. It's Luke, Luke Cold. Cold. It was horrible. It was bad. It's like a G.I. Joe character or something. He is. He's got one blue eye. <laughs> where did you, where, where did, what coffee shop did you say you were at? It's Cleveland Phoenix. Steamer? <laughs> <laughs> it's, your, yeah, it's your first red flag. 